a superhero, Victor. All right, all right, all right. Doom Patrol Radio, WDPR 96.3. Your favorite interdimensional broadcast, but uh, let's get serious. As our heroes face their conflicts, you can be damn sure a climax is just up the road. Because, 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 because. Uh, let's let's get right down to it. We can't get right down to it. I don't have a cold open. I don't have one either. I'm just. Um, you know what, Mark? I think that's going to be the cold open. <laughs> no, it's not. It better not be. You can't say hi. This is the cold open. Hey, welcome to uh, the cold open. I'm pretty sure you know if did they do it in a Saturday night, Saturday uh, and live night show? Did the movie Out Cold have a, a cold open? I don't know, but that's a pretty that's a pretty damn good question. Let's get into it. Uh, people people want to hear, and we got to give the people what they want, Nate. So. Uh, Welcome back to Doom Patrol Radio, your favorite podcast that talks about Doom Patrol, of course. My name is Mark. My name is Nathan. And today we're talking about Dad Patrol, which is the eighth and penultimate, not penultimate patrol, but the penultimate of this season, penultimate episode of season two. Uh, And today's episode is called, uh, the description of today's episode is, while Jane sets out to prove her worth in the underground, Cliff goes into dad mode, quote-unquote dad mode, and Niles devotes a day to Dorothy, who's finally growing up. Nate, what did you think about today's episode? Uh, It was solid. It was sweet in all the right moments, and it was suspenseful in all those other moments. Um, But yeah, it was definitely like really a driving force of an episode, I'll tell you. It was... It it was moving moving things along, um, and not like quickly or anything like that. It was just like we're getting to it. This is uh, we're we're reaching we're reaching an apex, uh, a crest, a mountain top. What are some other words a for peak. that? Peak. Peak. A climax. I, did I say cl- no? I said apex. Climax. Climax. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the 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 epicenter of our of our no, I don't think nope, that's the right. Can't, I, no, you can't say epicenter now with the with the state of the world, man. Because <laughs> then you're just throwing a jab. You're throwing a jab at me. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, good on you, Florida man. Um, today's episode was directed by Amanda Rowe. She's also directed a Cloak and Dagger episode, um, which is a is a good uh, Marvel show that they then uh, I think they they f- fusion danced. Cloak and Dagger to Marvel's Runaways, which is a show I really like. Um, so yeah, Amanda Rowe directed this episode, and then um, today's episode was written by Tom Farrell and April Fitzsimmons. So we got some some really powerful uh, Doom Patrol writers writing today's episode, um, and kind of like I guess the 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 elephant in the room that would be for for season two is that. The news is that they wanted to film 10 episodes, but because of that pandemic that we were kind of alluding to just a minute ago, um, they were only able to film nine episodes out of the 10 that they wanted to do. So next week is supposedly the final episode of the season, meaning that 
I think they might have cut things down to make it end on next week's episode. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're going to be using stuff from episode 10 or it just is episode 10 and maybe we skipped an episode somewhere. Somehow they're going to like uh, bridge things together. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see how that how that turns out. Uh, but it doesn't feel that way. Like it didn't. It didn't feel jarring, like you said. Like the, it moved things along. If next week's episode is how it ends, it it does feel kind of on track still. Like I, I didn't feel any sense of jarring. Did you? Like no, get, not to, at all. There get... was no like misplaced feelings. No um, no like uh, plot questions really that were like like missing details or anything like that or like how you're saying like uh like jumping around or anything like that it's not like one episode happened and then concluded and then the next one it's like the next day and that stuff just like didn't like no one really brings it up anymore you know what i mean mm-hmm. um which is kind of like um it happens a lot in like some of these other shows that um do that sort of theme of the week or like issue of the week kind of thing which i don't mean that in a negative way it's just like that structure of like this is the week here's the performance here's the big thing and conclusion you know what i mean yeah i think we had enough like cliffhangers pun intended in this ep- in this season where everything was still like uh uh, streamlined in a way. You know what I mean? There was, from what I can remember, I don't think other than, well, no. Hmm, I was going to say maybe Pain Patrol, but uh, everything else wasn't just like a one and done, you know? Yeah. I I think, you know, they... Given the only thing the- I say Pain Patrol is because like Red Jack was just like, it was said it was done, he was over, and like no one really, he's not a threat anymore. He's not like mm-hmm. looming, he's not still looming over Niles, like still like chasing him down, like, hey, you're going to be my pretty. I yeah. did not even mean to do that Wizard of Oz reference, but that, wow. <laughs> yeah, very fitting, back, right? But, yeah, right. Uh, the, the, you know, Red Jack was always kind of like a throwaway character, so people need to realize that, and they would, and they you know, he, he did exactly what he does in the comics. You know, yeah. he, he comes in, he tries to be all threatening. Purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it really does, like, I, I think given the, the, the eight episodes that we've had so far, it really has done a lot with those eight episodes where I think some shows kind of string it along too much. Like, they think, oh, we got a full 26-episode yeah, season. We got to exactly. stretch this out. And it's like... Man, does everything ha- just because you've ordered a full season doesn't mean it has to be twenty five episodes? Like I don't think yeah. people write like that, and and comic book writers don't write like that. If you think of this show as a comic book uh, volume or you know yeah. a collected story, those comics are like seven issues. If it's Marvel, it's five maybe, but you know they're not doing a twenty six single arc uh you know yeah 26 issues so when you stretch it out farther it seems to it, it then shows it's it's wear and tear kind of thing yeah and 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 with eight episodes it really has done a great job of like getting there maybe there was some if i think of anything like a 10th episode would have just fleshed out some things but it just because it would have been nice to do and because it would have maybe progressed some of the 
um, the takeaways that the writers are trying to say. Uh, but it doesn't feel that way, and, and I was kind of surprised. I, I kind of thought that Doom Patrol was going to go on a hiatus until they finished the season, but I guess if they're finishing it now, then, you know, today's episode was, was very powerful. Uh, a lot of moments where I was, like, kind of, like, teary-eyed, to be honest. I was like, I'm this is making me sad because there's so many things going on with each of the members that I really just I want them to have a good time and I want them to actually have a happy moment and it just doesn't seem to happen. Um, you got to remember what we're watching, buddy. Yeah. Come on. I know. Come on. How many but, times did you pick up a, one of the books and one of the issues and then when you're done, you're like, good. Yes, it may have been a happy ending, but shit, am I beat up, man? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost every time. Also, I do want to add um, another good uh horror element of an episode a lot of a lot of horror elements i took away from this not particularly like things that is exactly horror or like uh red jack type you know body horror or anything like that but like setting wise obviously um you know the carnival and everything like that um the well uh just like you know doom and gloom on both sides um which is definitely like Right up their alleys, so uh, tipping the hat to you guys. You Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. You know horror, and I am excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, every, you know, episode has been has been very, like, magnetic. Like, when you watch it and you're like, you start to get really into whatever the themes may be. And it may be, like, cute and fun, or it might be, like, laughable and mm-hmm. ridiculous. And then, like, it turns into like we're going to get into something really scary or something really traumatic. Yeah. And and you you can shift gears with that so easily in this show where you go, I understand it. And I not only do I understand what's going on, but I I feel for it and I empathize for it because that's the whole point that we're showing this. And one of those things is just to start off with the episode is kind of like we get a full-on perspective of Kate Chalice going through like some really bad stuff with her with her dad, with the father, and it made me angry. I remember you know I was watching it with Johnny, and I, I was like, I'm about to fight this dude. I'm about to go yeah. through this TV and fight this man. It sucks because, thinking that people like that actually existed or even still exist to this day. Yeah, just, that's and fucking I, that. And I know me some off, people. Right? You know, there might be someone who's questioning the whole, like, who puts their daughter in a well type of thing. But it's like, it's not really the literal fact of, of the, you know, the father putting the, the child in the well. It's like, what does that what does that man think he's doing by doing that? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like this power thing. It's like this dominant thing. It's, it's, you see a lot of, like, try hard dominating dudes try to do something where they they can they can force submissives into like the what they're trying to be submissive about into like oh you're gonna stay in this well you know when i feel like it, i'll pull you back out and it's just like i'm about to fight this fucking man like i literally don't like seeing it and then like the thing that kind of broke me that i wasn't expecting and i wasn't expecting it to be the whole kind of 
adventure for Jane in this episode was getting Harry that stuffed animal back. Because when I was uh, I was watching it and, and, and the stuffed animal falls into the well, I was like, yeah. I'm about to fight this man. Yep. Like, because <laughs> if that was me as a child and like, if that's my friend and like that thing just drowns, I'm fighting this yeah. man. Like, I was yeah. so upset. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> and it's like that whole, it's like that, um, and I don't know if this is it, but it's, it's like the innocence of a child, um, not, uh, being taken advantage of or, or, or just like that, that trauma and that hurt from the perspective of that innocence is so man that tears me up all the fucking time and yeah god damn it if i didn't get flashbacks to that true confessions movie that disney channel movie with shia labeouf and and like that kind of shit where it's just like this is this breaks my fucking heart yeah like times 10 and it's yeah man i'm i was right there with you when i when when harry the stuffed animal fell out of her hands and she's crying for him and that's just like you lost your best friend and you watched him leave wilson in fucking castaway too like i saw that mm-hmm. when i was a kid that pissed me off <laughs> yeah because i absolutely. had stuff Dan. i had a woody doll when i was a kid and if my woody doll like floated away on a damn raft i would be beside myself that's not cool yeah so yeah, yes, I'm giving you a standing ovation. Ovation, excuse me, uh, for breaking my heart. It's uh, just fucking. I I was worried at some point that the the present version of this father would show up or something, and I was like, I'm about to fight this man if he's still alive. I think he's <laughs> I think he's long gone. I think he's you know we don't have to worry about that. But just the fact that this this stuffed animal drowned back in the past, like yeah, that that made me very upset and it did kudos to to the writers for evoking that emotion because i think we were all there it's like there's you understand where this uh, these personalities come from that want to protect protect this child and uh, you know people like hammerhead and miranda um you know question their morals if you want but it's like their aggression their their rage is is somewhat valid you know like your anger is valid because it's evoked by these these memories and they're so painful so it's it really is like one of those you know right from the jump of this episode i joked about it on twitter calling this episode sad patrol but that really is how this episode feels sometimes it's like this whole episode just makes you sad and makes you so angry <laughs> um but um so that that's kind of like what jane's arc is going to be in today's episode which is you know it what's amazing is that kate chalice is kind of like able to move around in the underground which i didn't think could happen um yeah we see k and like at the station here i don't know what station this might be i don't know if they change if it changes it's just like the hub that's just the central hub yeah they're just Um, hanging out in the uh i don't know what that's called because we don't i don't have a subway here so i don't know what that like main platform is oh there you go main platform (laughs) (laughs) did i just stumble upon that (laughs) i don't know i i I don't. I don't take trains. Yo, shout out to who knows things about trains. Because hey, I don't who know. knows trains? 
Yeah. Um, I used to like trains when I was a kid. I had one of those Lionel Lion Lionel uh, train sets. I still have that same Lionel train set. Oh my god! And my mom listens to this, so mom, uh, I I step I still love that train set. You know, I really um, like seeing some of these personalities, and I and I know the conversation is about like personalities disappearing. And, you know, obviously the first thing we're going to think about is that Miranda is killing off personalities. That's our, that's our main theory, you know, like that's, that's what we think is happening. Um, and then, you know, Miranda implies that Kay is actually healing because Miranda is taking over. Yeah. And, uh, and with that healing, like is, is the mindset of you don't need some of these personalities. You're moving on from those personalities, which that from the get-go when she started saying that i was like that doesn't make sense that doesn't seem like that's how this should work (laughs) you know it's like there's 64 of them for a reason and jane knows that or it's like and then and then it just goes back to the whole idea of like well miranda is this one personality that is supposedly given off these vibes of I am the one that's supposed to be in control. Like, I did this. And yeah, we do get, like, the flashbacks of, you know, the first, her being the first personality uh, to come to come up to the surface. But still, like, it just didn't, it didn't make sense, you know? It was just like, that doesn't, there's, there was still malicious intent, in my opinion, whenever Miranda was describing that the personalities were moving on in case healing and she doesn't need them. And if you think about the ones that are gone right now, excluding Baby Doll and Flaming Katie because they were murdered, but Lucy Fugue and uh, Scarlet Harlot, like those are Scarlet more promiscuous, um, but Lucy Fugue I think is like, you know, defensive in a way. Um, uh protecting kind of uh you know she just has the ability electricity and she can do things so but like that's like that's like a strong personality and scarlet harlot is being the promiscuous but being the sexual side of a person Mm -hmm. you don't just take that away or if you do you're a part of like some weird fucking cult or something like that you know yeah it's Scarlet Harlot is probably in, in such a bad way is is the easiest to understand of why Miranda would want to off that that personality in a very like prude way and like very like authoritative way. But uh, just but yeah, but only from like the prude idea. There's yeah. others that you would probably be like, well, they're still kind of in that sense. Like uh, Penny Farthing is like sort of a personality that is uh what do you what do you call it when you're um when you're standoffish or uh unsure uh shit you know what i'm trying to say it's like that 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 one that's like well it could be this but also i'm gonna take a precautious i guess yeah Um, so like lack of confidence i don't i wouldn't say that so much yeah we did see that in the nuremheim stuff um yeah, maybe it is lack of lack of confidence and uh, what was the word I just used? Uh, there, the beat. I don't remember. But like that seems that personality as well seems like if you're going for like this strong sort of idea of a person, 
that seems like another personality that would be like, okay, well, we don't need, we don't need, you know, scaredy cat over here. I think what it is is that Miranda is trying to get rid of the primary candidates, like anyone who could be dominant in in the primary category. You know, uh, Crazy Jane obviously the primary right now, which is surprising. I thought that was uh, relieved of of her and. I thought Miranda was the new primary. I think it was just a trial run. Yeah, yeah. And they Crazy Jane is still technically the primary because Kay chooses the primary. Um, I guess Lucy Fugue, Flaming Katie used to be like kind of like one of the more powerful ones. A protector. Yeah, and Lucy Fugue has, maybe has to step into that role. So Lucy Fugue is, is missing as well. Maybe yeah. this is some of the stuff that's that's cut out that we we don't that we don't understand is is missing from the show. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far though. Yeah, Lucy Fugue, uh, you know, is definitely one of the strongest ones. We saw Lucy Fugue actually being used in the last episode to kill the um, mm-hmm. the uh, the scans, and then um, Hammerhead. We see her. Uh, we see them often. I was going to say, that's going to bring up another thing. So if it is such, if it is a sort of like power dynamic or power struggle, wouldn't the next person that is going to throw fisticuffs be Hammerhead mm-hmm. stepping up and being like, uh-uh, this is wrong? Because Hammerhead is still gung-ho about protecting the child. And yeah. if there's any sort of doubt in Miranda, I feel like it would come from Hammerhead, both Jane and Hammerhead, but you know Jane first and then right after that it's like well then Hammerhead because one she's already untrusting uh to men and everything like that um anger and uh uh just you know white hot so like that sort of like power struggle just seems like it's it it is bound to happen am I wrong in assuming that there's some of these personalities that can't go yet like i'm trying to think like miranda what is miranda's goal here to to just eliminate all of them till it's just her again i don't know if you have the authority to even to do that yeah and we also don't know that much about when miranda was primary in the 50s you know, before she went through, before she got the serum injected in her and everything like that. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know that much about that personality and what she was doing other than being confident and uh, knowing what to do and trickery, I guess, uh, or, uh, you know, just being smart, I guess. Um, so we don't know that much of that much about Miranda. It's just kind of like this, uh, you know, savior in white kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's very like um, subverting just, the expectations of like, oh, you know, it's kind of like the white raven in Raven, but it's like the the Doom Patrol version of that, which is like the subversion of that expectation. Like you see the white raven and you think like, oh, like that's the that's the the holy version of of Raven if she's if she's doing the best that she can and it's but, because of being dressed in white right the whole idea yeah. of being pure and all that stuff you got Kyle Rayner on on one hand you got yeah Jesus <laughs> you know you got your 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 uh your deities and your, your Zeus prophets bing, bing, yeah bing bang boom 
so Miranda, like, you know, Justin White, and you're thinking, oh, this is, is a good person. It's like, yeah. But also, know. hey, yeah, 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 you get a you get a white horse, and it's the opposite. Oh yeah, so. a pale horse, and then it's mm-hmm. a completely different conversation. There's um, uh, a quick sidebar is there's so many of these personalities I I still would like to see in the in the up there as they say in the outside world out there, um, and and uh, pretty Polly I think that's one of the characters I would like to see because we see her often in the underground. She's got great makeup, great hair, makeup that they do for this character. It's a character I would really like to see. Um, it is kind of cool to see uh, Flit in here. This is the one that, that jumps around and teleports in different uh, locations. I, I, I like seeing that character in the underground and stuff like that. Uh, we saw Penny Farthing in, in season one. We ha- I haven't really seen uh, Penny Farthing at all this season. Um, but uh, I, I really do like some of these personalities, and it would be kind of cool to see them um, in... Uh, out in like in the episode, see Diane kind of like portray these characters. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, it, you know, to, to kind of stay on this crazy Jane subject, this Miranda hits crazy Jane with this notion that maybe Kay is healing. And I, I like the writers going down this road of like how scary that might be for a personality to, to consider that like, you know, you think you have a purpose this whole time to protect this child. And jumping ahead here, you know, we see Crazy Jane kind of different the way she's dressed when she's back in the in the real world. And she's got like her hair up and she's got like this different hoodie on. And she just kind of has like a different appearance going on that I that I really like. I feel like it really symbolizes like how she feels right now. And I like that her instinct is to to go get Cliff. Like, oh, I need to go do an adventure. Yeah. First person is to, hey, Cliff, we gotta go. Like, we're gonna go to yeah. Arkansas. And she's like, when she sees that Clara's there, she's just mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, all right, never mind. That's such like a good like friendship thing too, and yeah. it's something that like I <laughs> like I know that feeling as well, where you know you just get up and be like, hey, uh, I'm gonna go this way. You want to go? Like we're gonna just go do a mundane task. You know, yeah. it's like, well, you just like grab someone to ride along with you. You just, we're just gonna go. Um, yeah, it's just great. I really like that, um, and it just also shows that how, like, uh, how how well connected Jane and Cliff have become through all of this, and just how like normal that friendship is to the both of them. Um, yeah, even with Cliff and stuff like that, like him. When she walks up and tries to ask him, she's like, oh, Jane, you're back. Like, it's like so, it's it's not like big party. Great. Awesome. How are you? Are you, are you good? Are you okay? Miranda was a bit wild. Like, that wasn't like any of, the, of that kind of thing. It was like understanding of Jane, knowing that other personalities do come up and that it's not always Jane there. And then like when she's back, it's just like, hey, you're back. What's up? How you, you know? What's the deal? Yeah. What do you What do you got for me? That friendship is so pure. It's fantastic, and it's like it's coming from the first episode. You know, crawling from the wreckage and everything like that. It's set all the way back there, and from us being the you know the comic readers and stuff like that, reading that without having the show and seeing that Jane and Cliff are friends and a team. 
going forward in the book series, it just felt like one of the best payoffs that the show has ever given me. Yeah, it it, it was like a very subtle, but like very reaffirming like payoff in the sense of like, you know, we, we think Cliff this whole time has been like, oh, you know, I just want to be friends with Jane again. Like, I know things got weird in season one and like I wasn't trying to impose my father issues on you or anything yeah. like that. And, you know, even though he saved her from herself in the underground in Jane Patrol, you think this whole time that she still has like uh, this kind of stigma. Uh, yes, because it's not hatred. Mm-hmm. She just has a hard time accepting help you know or friendship yeah and so when you see her just run into the room like you're the first person yeah and she's like hey cliff and it's like to me it's like if if someone i wanted to really be my friend were to hit me up first and be like hey you know let's go do something i'd be like oh you you think of me that's so sweet like right without hesitation too like it was just so like hey cliff we gotta go oh no never mind and then also the consideration on top of that what she has when she sees that claire is there with him and she's like no you do you this is your thing like good good great this is awesome yeah it was probably like you know an ecstatic feeling but Maybe that doesn't exist with Jane. I don't know. I got ecstatic. I think she, I, I, if if anything, I, w- I was thinking that she would have felt s- sad in that moment. I, you know, that's the only word I can think oh, of. Oh, right like now. left out kind of thing? Like, you know, oh, he's getting his, you know, Claire's he's getting here. His back. He's yeah. getting his life back over here. I'm over here trying to figure out my shit. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to drag him through that. Like, he's got to do his own thing. And I'd be like, oh, fuck. It's like you see your friends moving on. You're like, oh. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. Yeah, um, but That's you know, upsetting. she she ends up enlisting Larry Trainer to to help her mm-hmm. go to Arkansas, and Which and really, fantastic. like you know, when you think <laughs> about it, she doesn't need him for anything. She's just like, I want I, someone to come along. Yeah, like, put I, your fucking bandages on. We're going yeah. to Arkansas. And it's yeah. because she needs someone emotionally like she needs a supporting person to, to mm-hmm. come with her and and that 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 friendship or that dynamic we don't see often the larry jane dynamic yeah. we saw it kind of in the last episode but it was larry miranda not and larry. dumb larry yeah it was like the dumb patrol thing so yeah. i mean maybe uh larry and and flit that was you know obviously a highlight for me but to see real Larry with real Jane, like walking the streets of Arkansas yeah. and having that conversation of like, what, are, you know, I don't want to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. That heart scared me. Like that yeah. made me upset. Like, and Diane is like, she is, she is dialed up to 10, like per- portraying this character. Cause I was like, again, this, sure. Spinal tap. <laughs> like uh i feel like a lot of people would probably get upset if you say dial it up to 10 when he's like why did you do 11 well sh- shut the yeah, fuck why'd up you rip the knob? Guest, okay <laughs> why'd you rip the knob off yeah you gotta go all the way to 11 um it, it just there it really is those those pages of doom patrol where you want to cry because the character's struggling to 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 reconcile with what they are and 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 
what the what normal would be for them. Yeah. And or even just a purpose. Yeah. And and Drain over here thinking like if K is healing, then I'm I I don't want to disappear. I'll be gone. Like yeah. what you know, and she feels like this is what she has to do, but it's like if you do that, what what if that heals her and then and then you're gone and then what is what do you, what is what is that you know it's just I, like the only thing it's like she sees a path and the path is to go get harry and to try to help Kay, and that's like the, the only thing that she sees that's the only only route and then when you're coming from the mindset of someone so down that they feel useless they only see that one direction um and you know there ain't no harry styles at the end of that tunnel let me tell you <laughs> it's a different harry <laughs> Yeah. Oh, snap. Damn, I missed it. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Um it's but, a... but yeah, it's 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 that idea of of someone that is so lost that they only see the one road to follow and they don't know what it's going to lead to. You know, Jane even says it like I don't know how this shit works. Her saying like I could disappear, you know, it was nice knowing you if this girl's okay and she's going to move on. That, like, to us and the outside viewers and to Jane, of course, like, that seems like the most logical explanation, you know? I exist because I was a form of a protecting for this girl. Like, I am a split personality. I am, I exist because of that. And if that is gone, if there is no need for that, then bye, you know? And it's not just, like, it's, uh, Diane just did a very good job at showing that there are 64 different people and for one character to be scared of disappearing that has to like i feel like it has to be a ripple effect down you know to everybody it's one of those feelings that really make you like stuck within your own head and and it makes you feel numb because you can you can be having this in real life where you you're laying in bed and you're trying to go to sleep and you're thinking, I, I, in real life, I really don't know how any of this works. Like when I'm gone, what happens, you know? And, and light switch, baby. Yeah. Light switch. <laughs> and, but the, for a personality, the same thing. It's like, I don't know how any of this works. If I disappear, I'm just like, I, if I, these personalities are, 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 are a split soul, if you will. And it's like to just, to go is like is that energy being recycled like what's the mathematical scientific equation for it? because that's the only way i can comprehend anything i and and yeah. my whole purpose right now is just trying to make sense of things because if not then i start to think well then what's the whole point of all this and you know there is no scientific basis for what's going on with me right now and you know that that's what's going on with her. She's like, I don't know how any of this works. I I don't care. I I have to feel useful right now. Yeah, it's there's so many psychological things going on with just one personality. I'm surprised not all the personalities are just freaking out right now. Yeah, and that's what I meant by like the ripple effect. Like if Jane yeah. is feeling this, I feel like every uh, a number of personalities also might have to feel like this. But hey, yeah. maybe not. Maybe maybe. Maybe Jane is the only one with aversion to Miranda. Yeah. Uh, on a more positive note, I do want to say that there was, you know, there is this shot of, of Larry and Jane walking 
down this road. And it's a very beautiful shot and, and set up for following them. Larry Trainer looks really good at, you know, when you think about like costuming. Yeah. Like, like I was watching kind of just like this character walk down the road yeah. and the boots, the jacket, even the, like the, the whole bandages looks like it looks so good right now. Like from mm -hmm. the pilot episode to now, like they really just honed in on this costume, like yeah. the best that it can look. And this character looks really, really good. If I ever saw like a cosplayer doing a Larry trainer cosplay, I'd be like, damn. Yeah. That's we, such a one. Good we're getting a picture to tell me what you're doing. Um, but yeah. also coming from, you know, when Jane went into his room and stuff like that, seeing uh, Matt and all like the, the, the makeup and everything like that in his like, you know, underwear. And then like the next shot of him is uh, fully dressed. And like my first thought is like, dude, you thought to put a turtleneck on, tuck it in, put your belt on. Like you you got up for the day, man. This is great. <laughs> like it's awesome. Um, I did also like uh, in Larry's room. Um, Larry's room is also fucking badass. Like, there's yeah. so many things on that set where I am just like, I'm curious who kept some things. <laughs> there's just some things where it's like, I want that. I want that. I want to take that home. Are you guys still using that? Can you? I'll give you my address. You just send me that. Write it this way. But um. Like, by his, like, little station where he was, like, you know, where he gets ready, I guess. There's, his bandages are on, like, a, uh, like a, like a pole kind of thing. Um, it's, like, a vertical pole, almost like if you take, like, a bunch of toilet paper and you just, like, stack it on, you know, just, like, a pole or whatever. But, like, that's him, like, thinking about, like, Larry using that as just, like, wrapping him up for an hour or whatever, how long, however long it takes him and stuff like that. That's cool as hell. I just really liked it. Um, yeah. And also to go off on your part about them walking together in Arkansas, great imagery, amazing imagery. And one thing that I did notice a lot was how close together Jane and Larry were walking. And it made me feel so good that one Jane is like uh, being as close to this person and not as standoffish as I, in my mind, I picture Crazy Jane is to just other people. Everybody mm -hmm. is just a standoffish character. And her walking that close to Larry, often touching arms or, like, passing behind him kind of thing. Like, overlapping shoulders, pretty much. Um, it, it felt good that the two characters were that close. Yeah. And, ju and just walking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's It's... It's one of those golden moments. Like, you don't really get that in the comic books. You don't get Larry, Jane. You don't ever see that in the show. You, we've never really seen it. So to see those two characters together is is one of those surprisingly, like, oh, that's so that's such a nice pairing. Like, in such a, yeah. such a well-constructed scene of, of both of them. And it's, it's kind of all built up to this. It, it's really nice to see those two characters interacting. Um, and and the stuff that Larry is going through, you know, as well, it's nice to see him kind of talk to someone that's not Rita, because it, it, Rita is like a very close friend to him. We we definitely love the the Larry Rita stuff, but 
is the Larry Rita stuff ever progressing for him? And I don't know if anything has been progressive for him. Really, I guess the only thing that the truly progressive moment may have been with Vostick, negative woman. But his conversation with Jane is 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 very uh, comparative. Like he can relate to it, he can sympathize, he can empathize with it because he's kind of going through some of those things as well. Um, it's so it really is a, a nice pairing of the of the two characters and and the problems that they 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 might share. Um, it, we do also get a a flashback with with Larry in his room being a father and, and interacting with Paul trainer. Um, and it's, it's really nice to see Matt Bomber like in person, having those conversations, talking to his kid and, and showing that he is a, cause in the beginning of the season, we saw him as being more of like a kind of an ass as a, of a father. But in this today's episode, we saw him being more of a good father, a good dad mm-hmm. for dad patrol. And uh, it was a really good, touching moment to to prove that he's he wasn't a bad father he was just kind yeah. of and maybe he was upset at the moment yeah and i think that's probably what the negative spirit was trying to you know when he says like i don't I'm, I'm sick and tired of trying to crack your code and everything like that i think that this instance was a moment where the negative spirit was showing him something where he wasn't a bad guy or a bad dad you know it's like hey we're you know having a healing process as well we have to you know get in touch with each other we have to 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 be one i've been showing you shit that you need to deal with that's like been giving you mental blocks and hurting your feelings and stuff but hey here's something that shouldn't hurt your feelings like this was a good thing you did be proud of that cling on to these happy things not the negative stuff how you doing mom um but yeah it was great uh seeing Larry being a good dad for dad patrol. Yeah, absolutely. And it was and with Paul. It wasn't with uh it wasn't with Gary. It was with the, you know, the one that he just got the got the bureau called on him and everything like that. The the shit that he just went through it was like, "Hey, yeah, Paul like fucked you up a little bit back there, but look, man, like you remember when you were a good dad to him? This was this was that night." Yeah. You talked about math. Yeah, he was trying to reassure his son that, like, nothing bad would happen. Um, And, uh, you know, it's... I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with that character because I I don't even know if they they want to make Negative Man, like, kind of whole in the sense... The the status that Negative Woman has with mm-hmm. like being that kind of Rebus figure, I don't know if they yeah. if they want to get to that point. If they're trying to get to that point, I don't think Two so. Different. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Which they want. I'm all for that. Yeah, because I you know, I, or maybe they make it a stint where he's like, okay, you know, I'm whole at one point, or I don't know how they're gonna do it. Whatever, we're here for yeah. the ride. It's good. Yeah. It's awesome. It makes but... me quite. You know, what's interesting is that they they did do that with negative woman. So we, at least we know what that kind of character is. We know is. the potential. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess at any point, if, if they want that character, they could just recast her and bring her in as a regular character. And then, you know, in the weird comic book idea of my brain is like, Oh, you know, if, 
if they replaced the character, then they would just bring her in, and that would be a whole comic book thing, but we won't get into that, because I'm not the writer of the show, so it doesn't matter what I think. Um, but... <laughs> The way the way that this this crazy Jane arc is going to end is is we find out that Miranda's actually found Harry long time ago. She she hid Harry inside the well. I found Harry long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? I had to do it. You set that one up so fucking perfect, Mark. <laughs> well, thanks. I don't I I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, but I. So my the the way that I concluded this whole arc in today's episode was that Miranda too fears about Kay healing and her disappearance because that's why Miranda's hiding Harry, the friend that Kay would like to see again, from Kay. Because oh. if Kay finds mm. Harry, then Kay heals and then Miranda disappears and Miranda yeah. doesn't want that to happen. She wants to remain the primary and to mm. do that, Kay has to stay broken. And so that's when she gets rid of Jane because Jane knows things and Jane has to go, which is what sends her into the well. Is this like an episode of the Godfather or something? An episode of the Godfather. I just said that. It's kind of like an episode. It's not an episode. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> Listen, it's in parts, okay? Yeah, right. I've never seen The Godfather. Uh, no, that's a lie. I've seen parts of The Godfather Part 2. I've seen one and two. I haven't seen three. Doesn't matter. Uh, Yell at me. <laughs> I played the video game. Does that count? They had a Godfather video game? Oh, yeah, they did. The I beat the pizza. Does that count? Godfather Pizza? Well, from <laughs> Universal Studios? It's just... No, that's a normal thing. Like Godfather's Pizza is like a normal, like chain or if oh, not yeah. franchise that just random, r- random pizzerias will open up and just be like, "Hey, we're gonna take the Godfather name." No, there's a pizzeria in Universal Studios that's based on the, the Italian restaurant and the Godfather. So it's I, it's, I never knew that. Well, you do now. Yeah, which is up on this for me studio tram. Family. We're going through the back lots. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I'm yeah yes please I would love to go on another backlot tour I am upset that they took those away we really we got to go to like the actual studios in Hollywood and then take those tours yeah but those aren't the, attractions the um the the thing I I want to know now for this episode is is, is how does Jane get out of the well how do these people get out of the well because Miranda did it. I don't know if the others can. Are they actually killed? I don't know if another personality could kill another personality. You would think, I think it might be like a willing thing, like, uh, you know, like in, obviously it's like a mindset type thing. But I think because like the um, the uncertainty was there, or the idea of, well, maybe Miranda can help caused that to happen yeah and maybe it was because of all the personalities maybe sharing that thought or or maybe it was kate chalice uh, yeah maybe it was kate chalice who said miranda needs to come back now yeah thinking because, we got to go be- back to the first you know first personality we got to go back to step one yeah and because, uh, begin the healing process because two personalities were were killed off maybe it's time to 
to bring back Miranda, and so Kay would will it, and maybe Kay can will Jane back into existence, and and the others if she if she, she wants. Uh, I'm very curious to see how that goes, but I I think I understand why it happened. Um, moving on to to our next dad in in today's episode, I want to talk a, a lot about Cliff in this one. Okay, uh, because uh, Clara shows up, and this was a, a very wholesome part of the episode. Very, very, Man, very, very. This this episode, this arc that they have made me. Again, this kind of made me upset because this is the happiest we've seen Cliff from, you know, Claire telling him that, you know, she, you know she's getting married, she's going to have a boy, and seeing Cliff, like, just kind of so excited about that. It's like, it made me so, like, happy with, like, the, the tears of joy happy, but it's like, it made me... Again, it made me say like the I just I just want them to be happy. Like I want y'all to be happy because they they play this like sad music when Cliff is being just the happiest that he could be, and I'm just like, please don't you fucking ruin this because I'm gonna be real yeah. fucking pissed. When I was happened. on the edge of my seat at like the very man for for like the end there at the end when when Claire and and Cliff are like having their goodbyes and stuff like that. I was like you. Better not fuck this up. (laughs) But also, I had, you know, I still go back to this thing where it's like, I need to remind myself, I am watching Doom Patrol. I need to remember the feelings that I felt when I was reading this book. And they weren't always happy endings. It was like, I need to be prepared for that car to explode as she drives off. Like, Like, I needed to be prepared for those things like that. And when it didn't happen, it was a sign of relief. But... I'm right there with you. It oh, was... you thought something bad was going to happen to Clara. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was very wholesome, very good. Um, great, great Riley Shanahan, uh, body acting, amazing. Brendan Fraser uh, doing the voice and everything like that. And man, if I ever get a chance to meet them, I need to shake their hands and give them a hug and say thank you for making me feel this way. Especially Brendan Fraser with his the way that he does his line reads and everything like that. It's just such a great voice, a good guy. Like I, I just have such a love for that man as an actor, and I do think it is because of growing up with him. You know, watching the movies that I would watch as a kid and the Brendan Fraser that that I that I you know learned to to love. And then now, as an adult, seeing him portray this type of character, a beloved character of mine from comic books, and you're doing it with flying fucking colors, man. High five, handshakes, give me a hug. You're making my life great. Yeah. Everybody, all you people involved, you really are. I need to tell you this, and it might just be getting lost in the ether or whatever, but honestly, me as a person, me as Nathan, you are making me happy with the things that you're creating for this show you're making me a happy person thank you (laughs) it's it's such a heartwarming uh arc that you or you know uh b plot whatever you want to call it in this episode uh, of just cliff and clara like dad and daughter like having these kind of like what the fuck dude like what is going on in this place like it's 
you can see at some points that this really is the daughter of Cliff Steele kind of reacting to this whole situation. And it's very heartwarming. And then also like you see the detached part of him that has become more accustomed to his robot man thing where he's like, he just goes up the stairs. Like it's normal, even though yeah. he struggled with that at the beginning of the show. Um, and he just like zooms up the stairs. He's like, Oh, that, yeah, that was oh, the shit, stairs. Totally right. Yeah. Remember like he wanted to yeah. climb up the stairs to see yeah. his daughter. And like, that's like such a, and then he's just like, Oh, I, I forgot. Like, you know, we just went up the stairs. Yeah. Like there's, there's these things that he's become accustomed to because he's a robot body and she's still struggling with the fact of like, that's my, you are my dad. Like, I know you're my dad, but I'm, you know, looking at you, it's like, you're not exactly my dad in totality. Yeah. physically so well, not even like you're not the guy that raised me you know yeah so she's still trying to comprehend this and you know all these years he's been like this he's just kind of like yeah you know i'm in a blood feud with the rats i also yeah. raised some rats i've 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 no, i've helped a rat give birth to some some baby yeah. rats and i'm like uh, a horse i don't need to sleep <laughs> yeah uh these uh you know you got crazy jane coming in and all these other people who live here and it's just like a a crazy world that he's become so accustomed to. It, it has mm-hmm. become normal to him. And it's it's really nice seeing Claire trying to get used to that and, and being, you know, uh really compassionate about the situation. It's it's very heartwarming. Yeah, but it really is. And the you know, the, the the fact that she's like, I want you to come to to the wedding and all, and all that. And he's so happy. He's like, of course, he's like, you know, I'll be there. And I'm, I'm sitting in my couch going, he ain't going to be at that fucking wedding. Oh my God. <laughs> Didn't that make you like, when he said nothing's going to keep me away, it's like, ah, there's still one episode. Like, I shit. Like, <laughs> I was like, you ain't going Something's to going to happen. Yeah. The world's about to end. It's, it's all gonna, this stuff. It's going to make me so angry. It's going to oh, happen, man. and I'm going to be like, you have a fucking wedding to go to, you motherfucker. You yeah. better show up to this goddamn way. Get him to the Greek, but it's a wedding with Robot Man. This is a good idea. Um, <laughs> One other thing that I do want to point out, when uh, Cliff was making uh, Clara breakfast, um, <laughs> which, by the way, I've never had pancakes with, like, the uh, uh, chocolate... Uh, what is that? Chocolate chips uh, as like a smiley face or anything like that? Never had that. And I'm pretty sure I've only had chocolate chip pancakes one time in my life, um, which I could be wrong, but hey, I don't know. Um, but he was making the sausages in the pan, and then when he dumped the, the pan onto like, you know, he dumped the sausages onto the pancake, the finger! He had his finger! <laughs> he cooked his finger! And it was like such a... I got such a vibe, again, going back to the horror elements, I got such a vibe of, there's this movie, Idle Hands, and I don't know if, I, I've talked about it before. It's a dude, and he's a stoner kid, and he's, uh, his hand, like, gets, ta- you know, removed from his, it gets to, goes on a killing spree, yada, yada, yada. In the, like, next morning or whatever, he's, like, making a sandwich and distracted by porno on the TV pay-per-view, and he doesn't realize that, like, the knife that he's using to like put mayonnaise on the bread is like covered in blood. (laughs) 
So like that that horror element of uh you know cooking something or making something and then all of a sudden like ah finger like I was like oh shit idle hands this is again horror I love it you're great it's great it's amazing um but it also co- you cook that finger with the other sausages and that is gross <laughs> it took sausages <laughs> it took me a while to 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 figure it out because I was like at first I was like what the fuck is he screaming about. And like, and then like he he got it, he picked it up, and I was like, "Oh, that's the fucking finger." I was like, "Cause I I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if it was like a rat or something." And I was like, no. "Did I miss something?" And yeah, it was a goddamn finger in the freezer, and uh, uh, I don't know. I I, I still would have I still would have eaten it. You still would have eaten the not the finger, not the finger, not the finger, not the finger. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to touch on cannibalism, Mark. That's okay. I don't give a shit about that. But like, you're still so like going back to the other sausages, sausage, sausage, saucy, sausage, sausages, saucy, saucy, saucy sounds fun, but it's not. (laughs) Um, going back to the other ones, like, I don't know. Like, I can see. Is the sausage is going to taste like finger, or is it like the finger is like a tofu type thing, and the finger would now taste like sausage? Finger tastes like sausage. I the might fingers, eat it. The finger would taste like sausage. You think? It wouldn't yeah. be, it wouldn't be flesh, flesh nah. sausage? Nah, or I like wouldn't. just like really heavy iron or something like that? Nah. Now I we're talking it's... about the semantics of <laughs> cannibalism and how it tastes. I think I hate, that, I hate this. I think the breakfast sausages would be fine. You pour a little syrup on them, you're good. I think so. Yeah, I think that's so. what it would be. And you, you um, know, if anything, throw the breakfast sausages back in the pan, cook them off for a little ten seconds, kill the germs, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. One thing that kind of bothered me: no eggs. And uh, I don't know why it just didn't. Yeah, American breakfast has a has us a little fucked up because, like, is that what it is? I. Th- Either breakfast is all meat or it's like all yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. Sometimes you think about American breakfast and you're like sausage, eggs, bacon, toast, like hash browns. Like it's all meat and and carbs. Like that's all it is. It's just a meat. Um, It's like, where's the fucking vegetables at? I got to eat a goddamn fruit salad to get the, the vegetables I need for the day. Yeah, no. And what? then fruit, you just, fruit salad to get the vegetables I need for the day. You yeah. just said that. Yeah, that's what I, I said. <laughs> they're in the same part of the food pyramid, right? Uh, sure. Um, but I then, actually don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing is like, sometimes breakfast can just be like too much of the color yellow for me. I'm just like, well, you got your bread, you got the eggs, you got the orange juice. Like everything is just one color, mm-hmm. and so it's just like I don't know. American breakfast is. I don't know. Weird. There's, there's like they say there's a complete balance to a, a breakfast or something, but it's it doesn't ever seem like that. Uh, so it's 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 weird. What always gets me is when you when you heard the commercials where they it was a cereal commercial and it's saying part of a balanced breakfast. Really, you're eating an entire balanced breakfast, and on top of that, you're like, give me my bowl of cereal. No, get out. It's, yeah, this is what it, because like it, it, it's. Like no one thing in a breakfast is is a complete meal. You have to have like you have to have all of it. You have to have all of it, and you're like, 
I'm supposed to eat all this? Yeah, it's too early. To, I'm yeah. not a big yeah. It's like for me, it was never. That's why like these like English breakfasts or like these big breakfast feasts where someone's like, oh my god, I wish this is my. It's like really, I would eat three bites and I'm fucking done. It's yeah. seven a.m. Yo, like the, the English breakfast skillets where it's like in one pan you're gonna throw mushrooms, eggs, meats, like yeah. potatoes. Like you're throwing everything in this one skillet. And be like, all right, you got to eat all this. And it's, it's all crazy. fucking cooked with butter. And you're like, I prefer I mean, a dinner a setting. Meal. Like pilot episode of Titans uh, type of dinner. You know, uh, spaghetti dump truck. Cheeseburgers, as far as the eye can see. Onion rings. Big plate of chicken wings. I'm taking that. I'm just going to. For breakfast? No. Well, Yeah. Me, if my, you if you told <laughs> if you woke me up at seven a.m. six a.m. or whatever, and we had to go to a a buffet style like a dinner buffet style for breakfast, I would one hundred percent be in. For me, like the the breakfast purist in me is like I'll just drink a protein shake and take my vitamin pill, and that's like <laughs> that's everything I need. And I'm like I'll just I'll just liquefy it and drink it, and I'll be done with it. Yeah, and then it's like that's my breakfast re- meal replacement. Just get it over with. Yeah, I'm more of just like a, just give me some toast or a bagel. I like a bagel. But it's like, yeah, just give me bread. (laughs) Got a jet, mom. Here, let me get my egg waffle out of the toaster. Yeah, my, do you think they had Jimmy Neutron branded egg waffles? You said got a jet. That's Jimmy Neutron. Oh. So, maybe they did, (sighs) and then I need to get my Jimmy Neutron waffles. Jimmy Neutron waffles coming to a store this. Uh, I guess Jimmy Neutron croissant is is the. There you go. Is the one to go for. There you go. Look at uh, you. I, before we before we move on to our, our next arc, I do, I do want to talk just one more thing about the Cliff and Clara thing that I that I love so much and mm-hmm. I didn't expect it at all was was him helping her into the truck where he like open the door for her and then he puts his hand out and I was like oh that's such a weird close-up because he was like I want to help you get into the car mm-hmm. and it's like this very beauty and the beast type thing where it's like when like you a see chivalristic uh, idea of of what that is I guess maybe not beauty and the beast but uh, maybe beauty and the beast stems from Frankenstein but it's well, like Oh it's, snap! That's where you, you're going with it. Hell yeah! You see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. this robot hand. This is your dad. Like this, this quote is, unquote monster. Yeah, this thing is helping you into the vehicle, and it's putting on your seatbelt or trying to help you put your seatbelt on. It's like it's it's the gentlest thing a robot man has ever done, as like a robot man, and it's like helping his daughter who's pregnant in the car. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's just like this very gentle Frankenstein's monster type thing going on. Beauty and the Beast too, because you know Beast was trying to be gentle in, in the story. That's, that's chivalristic. That's where I was coming with that. Because I guess is... so. Yeah, because he's like he's trying to court Belle in some way to break the curse or whatever. So you can you can get derailed with that. And that's I wasn't trying to go that way, but no, I like your monster and the girl yeah. one better. That's yeah. that's even better. Even when you look back to Space Patrol, him sitting on the moon with Dorothy, like again, gentle Cliff in the most serene and pristine place that you could ever be right now in the physical world. You're 
pretty much, I mean, that's like the equivalent of sitting on a porch and looking out at a mountainscape with a lake in front of you kind of thing and being that, 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 that sereneness, whatever. Anyway. Mm, yeah. I did. I do. Serenity. Like, yeah. Serenity. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was that the, the hand through the window caught me off guard, but it was like going back to what he said, you know, like. 30 you can't blame me for 30 years trying to make up for 30 years kind of thing it's like yeah i i I get that mindset of where you're at but him being so genuine with it is what is really the driving force behind that yeah absolutely it's gonna break my heart seeing what happens with this storyline but it was one of those things like i didn't expect the clara cliff thing to even happen and it happened in this episode and i'm now i'm like why'd you do this to me? Why'd you make me enjoy this? Cause now you're going to break my heart about it. Cause I know that's how <laughs> writing works and then it's going to happen. And just like Kay Chalice's dad, I'm going to come to that TV and I'm going to fight someone cause I'm so angry. But anyways, uh, moving on to our next, our next arc in, in this episode. And we're going to be talking about the, uh, the, the, what is the, the bumblebee, the Borg and the Borg and the bee. Is that is that what this is called? Uh, but bu- uh, beekeeper and Borg. The beekeeper and Borg. So we had, uh, we had we had uh, steel and stone, but now we're gonna have the bumblebee and Borg, which um, this this is kind of like the a, a smaller use of of Rita Farr in in the episodes we've seen so far. I know she's kind of become the beekeeper, and she she wants to be a hero because she feels like this might be the what she she wants to do uh but really this is this is an this is an arc about cyborg and and ronnie and it it is kind of where we're going going to but i i don't know what where we're going to given what's going to happen in next week's episode um but I do like this. They do another one of those steel and stone montages, but it's it's the Bumblebee and Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what did you what did you think about this arc? I thought it was great. Um, I think my favorite thing came from the beginning when Rita was coming down with a newspaper um, to Victor, just sitting down there with a laptop open and stuff like that. Also, like just seeing the characters' placements of where they are in the house, just like on a regular day kind of thing. I love that shit. Like, seeing Cyborg just on the laptop, just, like, monitoring things or whatever in, like, the basement where it's, like, well, I guess that's where you chose your office to be. Like, that's just cool as hell. And that Cyborg is, like, living in that house, you know? And not at Star Labs or at his, at his dad's or his own place in Detroit or anything like that. Like, he has seen himself that that's where he belongs. And that feels so fucking good. It's insane. Um, yeah. But my favorite thing about this little section was Rita going down there, putting the newspaper on the thing, and, uh, you know, Vic making fun of her with, like, the whole, you know, getting the jet, and, you know, it's gonna make a bumblebee sound, and her coming back with the fuck off. Like, that was, hearing Rita (laughs) say fuck off in that, like, disgusted way to Victor was, I rewound it, was like, oh, no, I need to hear that again. I I gotta, um, man, April Bowlby's delivery on some of these lines is just incredible, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it was it's so good, uh, and that's why I was kind of like, oh, I would like to see more of her in today's episode. And really, just like when when it actually needs to happen, you know, like when Ronnie is confronted at the end of the episode, and Rita's yeah. just kind of like, 
I'm going to stand here and I'm going to let you get away with this. It's just kind of like, it's the right thing to do in in terms of like writing the story that, that Ronnie is just like, whatever, I'm walking away from you. And Rita is like, feels powerless to do anything about it. It's a, it's the right way that the story should go. But to me again, I was just like, I, I remember saying like, God damn it, Rita. Cause I was like, I know that's what's supposed to happen, but I'm also like, I, I want Rita to feel empowered enough to do, try to do something and, and feel heroic, even though she doesn't have to, but it's just like when it happened, when she finally felt like this is a point where you should be a hero mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to shut down because I'm scared. And that made me again, sad and angry. And it just, all those things are just like, she, it's just sure we have our laughs about the the bumblebee keeper, the beekeeper, and you know she's we're seeing the whole Avengers thing that's happening in in today's episode, and then when they're when they're at the crime scene, she's like, uh, you know, have you seen? Do you know who Which I one am? are you? I'm the yeah. beekeeper. Yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> it's like we laugh about that, but then when like it actually came time for her to be the beekeeper, quote unquote, it's just like. She let Ronnie go, and I was like, "Man, I'm so upset!" Like, yeah, motherfuckers. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it, I, and um, they they brought up the Uma jelly. I I my assumption in last episode was going to be that Ronnie would use the Uma jelly to enhance herself, mm-hmm. and then and then she went to go kill that guy. And and that and is that correct? Is that what? Yeah, happened? no, you're one hundred percent correct. Yeah. Now okay. is just the, well, they found, and I don't know if, like, because when, when Vic and Rita went to the crime scene in Detroit at that man's house, um, one of the FBI agents was like, you know anything about this? Showed the little vial of the Uma jelly. Was that n- not the same vial um, that Ronnie had in Dump Patrol? Was it the same one that she dropped, or was that, like, a residual, like, effect kind of thing that they, like, cleaned up in the crime scene? Uh, aftermath, I guess. Um, which, like, me still continuing that thought, um, you're correct in thinking that she did use the Umageli enhancements, healed her, and now she's, you know, enhanced human. Cyborg version A, but not failed, I guess. Um, oh, I didn't think about it actually healing her. I just thought about... That's what she said. Her. She said, I was dying. I took the Uma jelly. Now I'm not dying. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. But oh. also, is that just like a thing? Like, is she going to have to, like, you know, keep on Johnny Quicken herself, like, shooting up Uma jelly to, like, keep that not dying thing? Um, that's my thing. Or is it going to be, like, keep taking Uma jelly, keep wanting that power and that strength, and then you become the mutation and monster that we do know from the comic book? I think obviously it's going to be like a temporary thing, right? Where she took the Uma jelly, it's going to wear off or she's going to have a dependence on it. Because even the Scant Queen needs it more often than than just single use, you know? She, yeah. she lives off Uma jelly for her powers. Hey, we and, could all be so lucky. Yeah, right? And, uh, and, and it was temporary in the books as well. And, you know, just like the story of... Uh, of a of a hero's fall like that that kind of uma jelly power could only be temporary before 
Ronnie would have some sort of effects on it because she is stronger now than than Cyborg. She could destroy Cyborg if she wanted to. Um, I think if the Uma Jelly is is temporary, then at some point that would be her demise, and then Cyborg would have to would have to deal with that accordingly once Ronnie is depowered. And I don't want to know what that is because that would be very sad again. But um, it, it it is one. Of, I think this might be another one of those moments where maybe this was cut out uh, from from the tenth episode or whatever the ninth and tenth episode that was abridged. So maybe there's there's more about Ronnie and Cyborg that we didn't get to see with the, with the Uma Jelly and then what you know what's, what's going on with with her. Um, but the, uh, the I think the the biggest takeaways is that we got that whole Bumblebee and, and Borg. Uh, call Beekeeper and Borg, not Bumblebee. You keep on saying Bumblebee. You watched the Transformers show the night before and you're fucked. (sighs) You know what? I I did watch the Transformers thing on Netflix. I know. I know. Yeah. And I am thinking about I got Bumblebee on the brain. Beekeeper and Borg is what it's called. Uh, That's a good cosplay. I would like to see people doing that one is is Rita Farr's Beekeeper. And, you know, I think just in general, uh, we've kind of hit an era where you cannot cosplay right now because of the pandemic. But when, when, when conventions come back, if they come back, uh, seeing, seeing Doom Patrol cosplays, this is going to be something I'm going to have to hit up a convention with you and we're going to have to, Oh go, yeah, for sure. Or we can if... just try to do, you want to try to do a, you want to try to do a costume? <laughs> yeah. I've seen people do like, um, their foam core robot man and they're really fucking good. Oh yeah, I think Robot Man. Well, I think Robot Man is foam. If in in like the weird, if you, it's it's just very convincing in the show because it's obviously it's not metal. Oh, that's another thing about today's episode is, is Cyborg's arm cannon. Whenever it transforms, you don't see it transforming, but you believe it when it happens. You oh know? yeah, he which pulls, is I mean, like, it just cuts to the arm cannon, and yeah. you hear the sound, and you're like, yeah, I know that. You know, stage say, direction, man. Yeah. It's just stage play shit. I, I know they that. say cut and then they, you know, change and then the action and the arm cannons there already. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But I like it in the sense that it's like at least we don't it there's no sense of disbelief. You still are like, all right, I heard the sound effects and I see the arm cannon now. It it happened. It's my there. mind it's, immediately went to he's getting fucking wailed on in his face like a christmas story style and grid takes over in like that defense mode type thing so like that's just in what the way i saw it that was just a reaction i don't necessarily think that it was it's like see i don't want to think that victor 100 percent activated that sonic cannon i want to believe that it was a like security protocol being activated because of you know pain and 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 fighting and instinct and all that stuff like that maybe it's both but uh but yeah you're right it was it's jarring um to see him use that against ronnie someone that they was so close with and everything like that it's just that whole you know mr mrs smith type uh duality where you turn on each other and that's upsetting um, but yeah. yeah, I didn't, I I loved the noise. I loved the, the Sonic Cannon coming up. I loved that that was used and that that was also like the, uh, 
like I have the upper hand, which in my mind, like I didn't, I don't believe that 100%. Like it seemed like that was just like a, I'm going to pull the gun on you, but like Ronnie, we don't know 100% what the hell she can do. So she could probably rip that fucking arm off you, dude. Like yeah. pos- it's very possible. Um, yeah. And like, but, but there is something inside of her that is like, you know, you you don't want to. It's like that whole, uh, I don't know, I was trying to think of friends that became enemies and I landed on Harry and Spider-Man. Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan? No. Friends because, that became enemies. Yeah, be, but nobody pulled punches in that fight. Hang on, I might have to backtrack. Yeah, okay, so, like, the entirety of that fight was all pulled punches and just, like, let me just show off until it got to the high ground. Fuck, now we're going to get into Star Wars semantics. No, I'm not You don't watch that. anime, but uh, not And this is the thing, like, I can't, yeah, I was going to say. Would be, yeah would be another one of, like, one of those storylines where you're kind of like, god damn it, like, you, that you guys have to fight each other. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other, like, kind of, like, fairies. It's weird once you're trying to call uh, on it, and then it... Sean and then it Bean and Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. He's got the map. Yeah. Uh, there's there's many of those, kind of, like... I just can't think of them in the moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then, like, we're obviously missing, like, a big literary one. You know, it's like, well, listen where it comes from. It's like, okay, shut the fuck up. Oh, this yeah. It's like, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if we look at Gawain in the Green Knight, and it's yeah, like, it's, oh, okay. <laughs> so, excuse me for forgetting the Arturian uh, literature of, of why yeah. this is. Um, I think of Beowulf a lot lately when I think of, like, certain stories pulling from. Um, uh, the, your main character thinking that they're the good guy yeah. in certain storylines. And lately I've, I've been thinking a lot about Beowulf and being like, Oh, Beowulf really was setting a precedent with like that. Oh, we have to go kill the monsters because the monsters are bad. And then get, uh, Gwendolyn's mother being like, nah, y'all the monsters. All you yeah. And it's like, Oh, I've, feel so dumb right now because i'm starting to understand what beowulf was all so i'm starting to get in that point but like um yeah those those kind of relationships those friendships that become like mortal enemies it's almost like um i'm trying you know we'll have to come back to that one but i'm sure other people have their references of of friends who end up uh, hating each other um but uh let's Let's sidebar. Let's table that, and then let's get into our our main our main storyline for today's episode. And and this is Dorothy's episode. This is Dorothy Dorothy Day, if you will. Uh, this is it is Dorothy Day. Dorothy's it is, Day. It is Dorothy's Day. And uh, what did you think about this 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 arc? Excellent. It was really. I wasn't expecting the um the story to turn um into uh dorothy like maturing and getting older kind of thing mm-hmm. like i did not expect that turn of like oh she's growing up i n- i don't think i think i missed it probably just slipped by me with the correlation between um 
Candlemaker and Dorothy and that he grows more powerful as she matures, which was stated in the show, but I, I don't think that that resonated with me uh, as much. I, I was probably too distracted with everything else cool that happened in this season. Um, but But yeah, this was like a big change for Dorothy, especially from when we saw her in the first episode and everything like that. You can definitely tell that the demeanor is 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 older you know um let alone the costume change or outfit change and everything like that going more i mean both her outfits are comic book accurate and it's like oh fuck yeah hell hell yeah i love that shit yeah um but yeah it was very good this is definitely like i i love timothy dalton's portrayal of niles calder I love, love, love it so goddamn much. I think it's so fucking perfect. And even when there's like close-ups of Timothy Dalton, it's like he's got the gray beard and, and the hair that's put the uh, combed forward and everything like that, and him opening up the chocolate bars. It's like, yes, yes, you are Niles Calder. You are living it. You are the exact embodiment of this comic book character. This is great. And then, as I was watching this episode, and as I think is you know it was designed to do this, it was still solidifying the fact that like. This this guy is the villain. He's the evil man. There's moments where he's talking so sweet to Dorothy, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, you're planning to fucking kill her. Like, how, how are you sleeping at night, and just how are you, how are you existing? How is your, how is your fucking brain synapses firing in a functional way? Like, it's just so villainous, and I'm, in love with it oh well, man yeah. i love it so much he's well he's not planning he's he has to he has to kill his daughter because in of the candle his maker. mind he and, has to that's the thing niles calder likes to take his own fucking initiative when it comes to the world and all this stuff he thinks that he can plan it he thinks that what he's doing is true he thinks that when he's using his doom patrol that he's doing the right thing no he is 100 percent selfish he is the most one of the most selfish characters in literature yeah it's true he's convinced himself that he that she needs to die soon because of the candle maker and so he's devoted today to being dorothy day and you know uh, abigail shapiro's dorothy this, this i love this character this, like this, again what i'm saying when like we, when we get to next week's episode i'm just gonna be upset because like yeah. i don't know what's gonna happen i would like to see dorothy in a second season or uh, i'm sorry in a third season and a fourth season and i would like to see this character you know, in, in Rachel Pollock's Doom Patrol run, we saw her being, like, the leader of Doom Patrol because the other ones were not around anymore. And, yeah. you know, I, I would love to see Dorothy kind of a, a mainstay Doom Patrol member. And, and if the other ones rotate out, so be it. That's kind of, like, the whole thing about Doom Patrol. And it would be very sad and heartbreaking, but that's what, we're, that's what we all bought into. It would be cool to see that, and I would love to see more of Dorothy's character. And she she does such a fantastic job in this episode. Like you just fall in love with the character because the character is just so pure and and, and yeah, right, like bashful and like timid and like you know you want to protect this girl with your life. You're like yeah. no one's gonna <laughs> like no no one's gonna give this girl a hard time because I'm gonna fight anyone. 
Um, I, like that you, I like that you brought up the pure thing because then it just makes me want to see like Dorothy and Joshua Clay, like those two characters that like were were fit. That's like yo, you great, awesome. That's cool as hell. And then like this universe is Joshua Clay. If she were to go to like the old, you know, Doom Patrol uh, mental institution and like seeing that newer, uh, like like Dorothy, seeing Dorothy talk with. Joshua, who has seen like the past Doom Patrol and seen what horrors Niles Calder can do, and him being like the outside observer kind of thing, that was always like such a good uh, fit for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then like you see her like when whenever she's at the Dytel Carnival. You oh know. man, dude, you got a <laughs> fucking county fair named after you. I hope you kept that poster. If yeah, you didn't send Eric Dytel, if you are listening, I hope you kept that fucking poster. <laughs> Seriously, you got you a fucking something. county fair named after you, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm glad I, yeah, I, as soon as I, I saw, I read that, I, I just kind of laughed and was like, oh, Dytel, that's funny. That's awesome. And congratulations. I mean, you write the show, you might as well get something named after you. There was, I was like looking around at other things too, just kind of being like, I wonder like what else is named after different writers and stuff. Um but like in when when Dorothy's in the grocery store, she's you know the the pure thing comes to mind because she's like she, whenever she's like timid when she's shy and she does a great job doing that. But then when she's in the grocery store and she's or when she's in the convenience store, she's like, hmm, I wonder what I'll get. And like there's like she with with all the makeup and 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 the prosthetics and all that, she still has like the ability to smirk. Yeah, and to like have these like verbal motifs, you know, like she, like the character can still perform yeah. with body language. She still looks know? like a gleaming child going into yeah. a candy store. It's like that's great. Also, let alone the fact that like this is she said it herself when they were on the Ferris wheel. Like this was Dorothy's day out in the world, you know. And Niles gave her money to go into the grocery store or convenience store alone to be like, I just want dark chocolate. You get whatever you want. Like you have a ball. It's so, it feels so good without thinking about the bad stuff with Niles, you know, without thinking the assholeness of him. But living in the moment that Dorothy's living in, um, it's just great. I mean, just like having Dorothy in that moment, uh, before shit hits the fan, I guess it was just good to see, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think one of the definitely something I wanted to talk about before we get into something very serious and and you know uh, that I really think is important to talk about. I I'll start it off with let's just get this out of the way because it's a very funny moment, very uh, ridiculous moment. Is Niles Calder calling Willoughby Kipling with with the Reese's Cup. I think it's probably the most memorable part of the show I have yeah. because of how outlandish it is. And I yeah. just keep, I was just like, y'all are having too much fun with this. <laughs> this idea, y'all can just do whatever you want for the magic to, to, to do what it needs to do. And this Reese's Cup as telephones, like you guys are having way too much fun with this. Like someone had to be like, like with Reese's cups and being like, 
could use it as a as a receiver. And yeah, like the <laughs> fact that it's a receiver and the earpiece, like the two part. Like yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fucking great already, just in its own self. Which yeah. I was like thinking, I was doing. Um, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I was pantomiming something, and I did a phone, and I went to like you know thumb and pinky type thing, mm-hmm. um, which made me think of like a stupid fucking TikTok video where I saw like kids doing the the flat hand as if you know smartphone type thing. But that's not going away. Uh, yeah, what you're doing is. Ah, oh, I never thought of that. Like... I saw a fucking TikTok where it's a dad. He was like, "How would you hold a phone?" And the kid was like, Ugh. "Just like flat hand, just like yeah, square knife knife hand up to your ear." Um, anyway, but, uh, the fact that it was the, the two Reese's cups as the receiver and the earpiece was, was great. Um, and then like when, when, when the phone started going off in Niles's pocket, I like had that, just that split second thought of this dude has a cell phone. Like (laughs) Rita had one, she had a flip phone, um, which is a great fucking detail. It's it's cool just seeing things just perpetually stuck in a point of time where there is no need to add in future technology or, or anything of the such pertaining to the real world. I fucking I heard love the, that. I heard the phone ringing and I went, okay, what is it? What is the Oh, object? really? I just immediately went to, like, he's got a cell phone. And no, then, and I, then I, like, <laughs> him pulling it out and was like, wait, wait, what? I knew it was, was going to be a weird chocolate. object. Yeah. It was like, okay. There was a reason why you didn't want to see, why you didn't want to show Dorothy that the phone was fucking Reese's Cups or chocolate. Ringing, yeah. Chocolate peanut butter cups, sorry, for branding. Yeah, chocolate Um, peanut butter cups. um, uh, And I knew it was was so fun. Yeah. I knew it was going to be something, some sort of object. And I was like, all right, let's see it because I know it's not a phone. I know you're not pulling out a regular cell phone, it is some weird object. I just wasn't expecting the Reese's Cups. The peanut chocolate butter peanut peanut butter cups, and then once I saw it, I was like, "This makes too much sense." This is one of those things where, I, when I saw him using it with the speaker and the receiver, I was like, "This makes too much sense." This looks like an actual telephone. And Willoughby like, had the same fucking unit. Like, yeah, <laughs> you got pair. They got Timothy Dalton and Mark Shepard to talk into chocolate peanut butter cups, like. You, they're like you guys <laughs> you the writer james bond <laughs> this man is james bond <laughs> y'all got it this man fantastic. talking into candy bars <laughs> it's so good um i do which brings me again with the willoughby kipling uh edition fucking love mark shepherd's willoughby kipling like but so much so oh my god which makes me think like i'm so glad that he exists uh, and it's not John Constantine because that's just that's like shrinking the universe, in my opinion, you know, with an entire universe. And the main plot is the Skywalker family. Get the fuck out of here. That's an entire universe. You don't need, uh, you know, have exactly. Yes, it started out as like a rights issue and like not being able to secure that character in the book and everything. But fuck that. Just have another drunk wizard. Absolutely. Willoughby Kipling, yeah. you're on the pedestal. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Seeing the Knights Templar, fantastic. And the whole Bunburying thing, um, which is an, an incredible like tie-in, from my perspective, an incredible tie-in to the Dorothy storyline because of what Bunbury uh, in literature is. From, uh, what is that, Oscar Wilde? Yeah. Um, the importance of being earnest. 
uh, Bunbury was just a, a way of getting out of things. It was an imaginary being uh, that was like, I have to, I can't, I can't, I can't go do that. I got to go do the Bunbury. I got to go be with Bunbury. It's like, well, that's not a real thing. That's an imaginary plot device that was invented in the literature to have a character not go to one place and go do something else to further the plot, which is fantastic, you know? And then thinking about that, like, in a metaphysical way outside of literature but still existing in the show, it's like that that sets me off on a trip, you know? It's like, oh, shit, you guys are bringing a, a literature figure into this, and then it's on top of, like, it's compounding onto the plot of what it's supposed to be using and shit, you guys are blowing my mind with this type of writing. This is insane. Yeah, it, it absolutely is one of those one of those situations where they I think in retrospect, this is a blessing that Willoughby Kipling was created because Johnson John Constantine was already being or or, or they were denied using John Constantine. Yeah. Because you want to use John Constantine because Initially, you think the character is weird enough to be in your storyline. And he's already established. And already established, and you think that'll get people in there, and they can be like, they can point and be like, oh, look, John Constantine's in Doom Patrol. I know that character from from this Vertigo. Or, you know, like those kind of stories where, like, you can point and be like, oh, look, that character's in this. But then once you hit that wall of you're not allowed to do that with this character, then it becomes stale. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, John Constantine wouldn't do this, but Willoughby Kipling would. There you go. And it's like, there you that, fucking go. It's one of those things where you have, and, and that's another thing that, uh, you know, Watchmen could not do, but Watchmen got there because Watchmen said, well, Blue Beetle can't do it, but Night Owl can, and Dr. Manhattan could do this. And like, I think we, it it's one of those, um, I was taught I was taught in I was taught in art school that like your 14th reason is yeah. like the 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 thought you should go with cuz yeah. you know your first thought might be John Constantine and then you're like okay well let me think a little bit more what are some other ideas and you know you start saying oh, well, how about this how about that and like keep challenging yourself to continue to think of other things and then eventually you're like Oh, if I had my own character, I wouldn't need all this. Exactly. I, I wouldn't have these restrictions. I could do my own fucking thing. You can't and have John it, Constantine talking into Reese's cups. Yeah. You can't like that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's 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 crazy how much this stuff works. And and now we have now we have Mark Shepard and, and uh Timothy Dalton talking in a goddamn candy bar. That's what it circles back to is like you guys said action, and they said, "Here are my lines. I'm talking into the the candy," and it's like now my mind is thinking like, "Is is it real candy? Is it melting in their fingers while they're talking? Oh. It has to be. It has to be made out of. It has to be made out of resin now because you have multiple <laughs> takes, and it can't be melting in their hands. Like, like what do you do after that? Do you? I was like expecting <laughs> them to like, to clamshell the two candy bars as a oh, hang up. I was so like, are they, are they gonna like 
or eat yeah. the receiver like <laughs> yeah like what do you how do you hang up the phone do you it's a uh, like, again it's like going back to that whole fucking willy wonka shit where he's sitting down and he you know picks up the teacup flour that's the 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 candy or you know the dude didn't that look delicious when you saw that in, yeah the teacup the... yeah absolutely oh, but it's I've... just like fondant right which is awful Oh, I don't know what it was, but I thought I would assume it's well, as a kid. I was like, I hope that's a candy I could buy. Someone has to have ma- some uh, chocolatier or some confectioner has had to have made the the flour teacup candy. Uh, finally, because I want to eat that. At least it's a good thing in our shitty American public school system that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is th- or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is still taught. You know. And then you can make the connection and be like, hey, and then, you know, amazing performance, uh, Gene Wilder, look at all the visual shit, and it's crazy, and it's cool. That's, in my opinion, I really enjoy that that is still, like, a, a teaching aspect. Um, yeah. Just like I think, I mean, the same thing, you fucking, you teach Willy Wonka in school, throw in Forrest Gump to tell you all that's, like, wrong about it, and just be like, hey, here's, like, wrong history, too. And it's it's fun, it's a great watch, and it's a silly read, but it's you gotta you gotta realize the difference. Anyway, yeah, yeah. my bout on public school. <laughs> Speaking of, of of lessons and and teaching and all that, uh, we we have a very important lesson in in today's episode. And, yeah, I definitely um, went to school with this one. I think this is, or they they definitely took me to school with this one. That's that's the phrasing. That's a clarification. Um, this is something us guys need to to pay to pay attention to, and you know this. I this is a very powerful moment that happens with Dorothy and and it's it's becoming a woman and uh dealing with periods and and puberty and all these kinds of things like these growing pains that women have to go through and you know f- for us dudes we don't have to deal with that in life we it goes over our heads and uh you know in in the more insensitive men in the world might even be like disgusted by these realizations that that women go through but yeah like disgusted by the natural act of a fucking human being get out of here yeah you know it's just some real fucking uh leeway that us dudes have with this kind of stuff like yeah or or, you know some ignorance that we have with it i think ignorance is probably the better term that is the better term um you know this is a show that's been very progressive and we've been fortunate enough to talk about it and to, and to really celebrate it and others have been, you know, able to, 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 to feel represented by it. Uh, we applaud it, but we oftentimes you and I, Nate, we don't, we aren't the ones being represented. So it's, it's hard for us to, to talk about it because we're not the ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's that's great that's that's what the show has uh, the story has always been the doom patrol has always been from strangers adventures to grant morrison to this show is talking about and representing those that aren't represented enough and you know if larry trainer and marley corrupt and and everyone from the peeping tom's cabaret can can have these moments you know women need to have these moments as well and johnny was you know Johnny and and everyone else who who saw this moment with the gas station clerk were just like, this is such a golden moment that we need to talk more about because not enough girls get to have this 
actual superhero show up and and have this conversation with him because for this, real, this, this gas station clerk is like. The, She's fucking Superman. She's <laughs> one just of the a super characters. entity in this fucking being right now. Yeah. Like, this is, it's, it's happening. I don't even know, like, as a dude in my own puberty, if my dad would have had such a conversation like this with me. I'll tell you right now, I never had this fucking shit. And <laughs> yeah. that's nothing, no offense to, 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 no offense to my mother. I don't give a shit about my dad. But yeah, men do need it. You're getting a boner. Don't fucking, you don't need to be going, you don't need to be, I don't know, leading off or anything <laughs> don't think like you're that. Like, fucking fucking keeping it yeah. in check, yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was nothing that, that is relatable to me in that sense. Like, I never got the, I don't even, not, yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's nothing bad on any parenting or any side of in anything. It's just like, People need to 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 learn. People need to be able to to talk openly about these things and with such ease, which is what we saw in this episode. Like it was talking about, uh, you know, Dorothy having her period and everything was was so open and accepting was just like that. That was new information to me being a male and not seeing the side of puberty that women go through. I was learning and I'm am I right with thinking like I'm okay with that like I'm I'm good I'm so glad that this exists and I'm so glad that it was so easy to talk about and easy for for me to watch like is that am I wrong No yeah and you know like and it's never I've never seen it and and like that's a thing where it's like just because you're not there to witness it doesn't excuse mm-hmm. it from your d- doesn't validate what doesn't validate your lack y- of yeah, knowledge. Yeah, doesn't validate your ignorance for it because like mm-hmm. a, a girl can have a girl will have her periods and there's a chance that you know there 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 are people out there who might shame you for it. You know? And just because I I never saw someone being shamed for their period doesn't mean that it happens. And and people do that. And, you know, like women, that's something girls growing up have to face with is that they feel a stigma for something that their body does naturally, you know? And we, yeah. we might get made fun of for our voice cracking and stuff like that. But like the, the girl, a girl getting her period for the first time it fucking sucks. Like, I would yeah, imagine. Like, you have no idea that it's coming. And, like, no one, you know, people always, uh, my idea is that people tell you about it after it's happened. They're like, oh, you know, you, you know, you yeah. got your first period. Now we have, it's like, now we're going to have to talk about yeah. it. Like, motherfucker, like, I'm, fi- I'm finding out about it, like, right the fuck now. Like, what do you fucking mean? Yeah. Why can't we have this conversation a little bit earlier? Maybe a heads up bro like mm-hmm. but no people are gonna fucking shame you about it and you know this this episode fucking talks about it and if we you know this fucking thing i keep going on about about these comic books teaching people like because kids read comic books is like if a kid watches doom patrol even though there's a fuck ton of fucks in it like maybe this whole period thing would relate to them and there's a show actually fucking talking about it 
and and it's yeah. a superhero show you know so it's it's great to to see people giving time to this show to write out talks about periods and and like what little girls have to go through when they become women and like what their dads might think about it and what people might think mm-hmm. about it like it's just great that they wrote this character to have this conversation with Dorothy our youngest character I well, she's 103 quarters but she's fucking 11 years old in this, in, in context and it's like the other girls in this storyline have have had shitty lives it's about time that someone is written that comes in and says, "Hey Dorothy, everything's gonna be okay. We're gonna fuck. It sucks, but we're gonna get through it." And that's what this gas mm-hmm. station clerk does because she doesn't sugarcoat it at all. She's just like, "Bro, it fucking sucks, but I'm here for you. I'm gonna get you a new pair of underwear. I'm gonna get you this. Like, we're gonna get through this, you and I." And it's it's just so good. Like, it's such a hero moment. Like, this is what it, you know. We talk about these. These are humans with meta powers and they want to be normal. Here's a normal person being fucking a superhero. And it's so good. It's so just what this show needs. You know, it's, it is what doom patrol is. Mm-hmm. I agree. 100%. It was fantastic. It really was um, definitely informative in the way that uh, just the general perspective on these things and maturity and all this stuff. Um, which it definitely like that's like such a good tie-in to like what Dorothy is actually going through and Niles having you know having the idea of like I'm trying to perpetually keep her 11 years old which fuck if I know how he's doing that or whatever the hell that type of whatever that is um yeah it's wild to me um but like oh shit I forgot what I was well, going to say no, anyway well, that's a I mean in the in 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 this story and with Niles Calder, that's taken literally, right? Like I'm going to keep you young and I'm going to keep myself living, and it's all very literal. But in, in in reality, that's what dads try to do is they try to keep yeah. you in this state of like, oh, you're my daughter, you're my baby girl, like all these things. And it's like she's not a fuck. She's a hundred and three quarters, you motherfucker. Like she's grown, she, like. In in some ways, she might be older than you. Like you've got to fucking let it go, dude. Like this is their own person, and 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 it's your. <laughs> I'm gonna use this term, but like your mantle of responsibility is that you protect this person because they are your legacy. But once they reach the the age is not a it's not a scientific number but once they reach that that level of maturity where they can take care of themselves you've got to let that go because that character that not that character but that 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 being is is their own person now or they've always been their own person but you've you were you were just there to protect them that's that was your responsibility uh as they grow into an adult now that they are an adult uh they are responsible for themselves uh, but they were always their own person Uh, it wasn't just because they turned 18 or 16 or whatever party you want to throw at whatever age that celebrates that they are now officially by society that they're an adult now that's not what it is that's just social constructs and you need to let that go 
um, Dorothy, since birth, has been her own person on this planet. It is just now that you need to stop uh, doing whatever the fuck Niles Calder is doing with her. Yeah, some sort of weird uh, controlling aspect of just some shitty fucked up father figure. Um, let's see here. There are some things I do want to talk about just because they might, uh, you know, we, we, I, I noticed some things in today's episode that I, I didn't pick up on before. And that is, uh, with, with the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol, I, I, I think this is one of those moments where the show took something and adapted it for the better only because I don't know if this is what Grant Morrison intended for it. Well, that's a loaded fucking question. (laughs) Thinking about that man's intentions is just a fucking roller coaster to begin with. Exactly. And I thought it was. No, you know what? Maybe he did mean it, and I never understood it. And that—that's actually not—that's actually my fault, not his. Is and you know what? Probably know what I'm talking about, but it's issue 25 of Doom Patrol, where she's talking to Joshua Clay about her imaginary friends and putting on the red shoes, which we see here is is what's happening. And it's it's this womanhood, it's this growing up, this adulthood. Um, and I remember she was like, no, no one told me about the blood kind of thing. And I, and when, you know, me as a dude trying to just be like comprehended in my own dumb brain way, I'm probably thinking like, oh, it's just dealing with some trauma from her maybe abuse or something like that. But it's like, no, her body is just doing her thing, you know? And so when she says no one told me about the blood, it's like, this is about Dorothy becoming an adult person because we have to remember that in the comic book she's already an adult. She's she's yeah. she's Dorothy Spinner. She's not even she's not Dorothy Calder. She's not you know her own. She's not she's her own character, and that that is an oversight by me. And one of the things that this show is doing so great is they're they're highlighting those things like no you like the source material. You guys have to reread it again because I think someone. Uh, we have a close friend now that's, that's watching the show now, and he was, um, I think he he said something like, "I wonder if if dudes on the internet are just mad about this show for how progressive it is." And uh, we're very lucky that that's not really the case here, because the sh- yeah. the comic book source material is just as progressive as the show is, and this is again stuff that was written in the '60s and the '80s. And I got to tell you though, casting. Uh, Abigail Shapiro's character is Dorothy Spinner. It's not Dorothy Calder. Is the name Spinner? Yeah, and I mean at least from IMDb's perspective. Um, so maybe that's just yeah. yeah it's uh, hey, last name Spinner. It would be it would be really nice to, to see Abigail continue to play the character and 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 age the character a bit because if, if Abigail is, you know, I think Abigail can she's she's playing a child here. But then what if Abigail's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to play Dorothy now, but she's grown up more. And it's like, yeah, you could yeah. fucking do that. And like, let's, that would be cool to see. I want to see, you know, you see Crazy Jane and, and, and Cyborg, and they can just go places. Like, wouldn't it be cool to just see Dorothy just 
go places and like go do things like any of the other Doom Patrol characters are doing in this show and it would be cool to see see that character do that and um I'm hoping we can but you know I don't know what's going to happen but yeah this uh a lot of this stuff we see in today's episode comes from from issue 25 about Dorothy explaining uh growing up and and her past and all that and and putting on the red shoes and that's what we see when we go to the Dytel County Fair. And um, one of my first thoughts, Nate, uh, why, if you have such a trauma from traveling circuses, would you choose to go to a county fair? I think it was, I, I, uh, it's like one of those things where it's like, um, mm, how do you explain that? It's, it's, it's not an aversion. It's more of a familial familiarity. I can't say that word, but you know what I mean? Familiarity. Um, it's more of, I, I took it as more of that. I did not see like a second guessing of, of fear in either of them. And also it's like a complete circle kind of thing. Uh, you know, uh, started, started at the, started at a, a circus fair type thing. And now it's wrapping up at the same kind of, uh, same kind of county fair yeah location kind of thematic yeah, i don't know what the thing. hell i don't yeah thematic yeah. yeah all that stuff um yeah but i that's where i went with at first and then it kind of just like got out of my mind until dorothy started going and doing all the games and and going into the fun house and things but then it was really more of like uh horror setting in my that was my mind. first thought about the um, fun house i was like how is this fun <laughs> i was like who the yeah. fuck goes through this stuff it's just I've seen so many of those. There was this one movie I can't remember the name of it, but it was like an old. I want to say it was from the seventies. Uh, a bunch of kids like went to like some sort of carnival fair type thing, and uh, they stay after it closes, and they're all, you know, getting promiscuous and stuff in like the fun houses and stuff. But uh, instead of people being in costumes, it was like they were actual monsters, and they ended up you know terrorizing the teenagers, all a Scooby Doo. Uh, but like that, I I saw that at such a young age that like the whole idea of like carnivals and fairs and stuff is just immediate. That's a horror setting to mm-hmm. me. Like it just is. It it always is. I don't know if there's ever a thing in my life where I'm gonna be like, this is great. This is fun. I'm gonna go through this house of mirrors and not be taken for a ride. Yeah, you I'm know? always like I. Like and I, I feel like I grew up knowing that fun houses were were scary in nature. Like people who are building those are like, I don't know why you put fun house on the name. It's if there's monsters be like in there. scare house because that's what <laughs> you, you walk through and you go, oh, this is kind of creepy. Like I'm yeah. going in there because it's creepy. It's like I'm. It's like the Halloween Horror Nights effect where it's like I'm going in there to get spooked, and it's like. Why'd they write fun house on there? Why didn't they write spook house? Like, you know, like, like, I don't know. It's just, I, it's just weird to call it like, why don't you go in that fun house and you go in there and I see Dorothy going down the slide and then the ball pit of eyeballs. And, and I'm just like, this looks like the, the, the goddamn castle in Ybor city. Like, I, I don't know what's going on here. It's, it's kind of spooky in here. I'm about it, but kind of false advertising. Anyways, yeah. um, the only other thing I thought was maybe the, she, the 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 going to the county fair as like someone who 
used to be part of a traveling circus, like maybe there's like a like there is like a familiar rose colored glasses type thing where it's like maybe you once worked at a theme park, but then you and I'm trying to I'm trying to equate this. Yeah. And you didn't get to experience yeah. the fun, like you were always in a cage yeah. and all that thing. And it's like, well, this is my day yeah. out. Like this if is you've freedom. worked at a theme park yeah. and then you're like, well, I want to go to the theme park because like then I get to enjoy it like how the guests would and like if they're enjoying yeah. it. I want to enjoy. I want to see. So maybe there's. I can see her trying. You know, being like, I want to go to the county fair because I I heard it's a lot of fun and you know, I was part of a circus, not a county fair, and you know, there's something familiar there for her. Um, it, there were so many of those moments where I was like seeing her with like the, the carnival tickets and then like winning the prize at the, at the, at the, the, the carnival game thing. And I forget what those are called. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just one of those things where I was like, it's so sweet. Like I, it makes me, it makes guess sappy is the word but i was just like she yeah. gets the big elephant and i was or the big bear or whatever she wins and it's just there was a moment there where where she was doing the the ball uh you know the ski the ski ball-esque thing where you you know get the get the horse across and you won but like when as she was doing it as she was winning like niles was like looking back at like the other participants and like i thought he was gonna do some seeing where they're procre- yeah i thought he was gonna like do something to fuck him up to make her win type thing to like you know make her happy but he didn't and it was like such like a i don't know it felt like such a genuine uh parental notion mm-hmm. to just be like yeah, you got it, Dorothy. Go, Dorothy. Like, oh, these people are getting close. Like, what are they doing? How are they doing? Are they... Uh, I'm worried about you. I want you to win. So, uh, I don't know. It's just like... It, yeah, it, it looked like a very good parental moment. Mm-hmm. And I was living in that without having to think of the shitty person that yeah. Niles is, you know? Yeah. I was more living in the moment of Dorothy being happy more so than the notion of Niles giving her one last But Dorothy day, was you know? the only reason I was caring about Niles because, like, we're here, you know, we've been here for 20-plus episodes now explaining to people that Niles Calder is a piece of shit and he's a fucking villain of the Doom Patrol. He's really got these fucked-up motivations. But, you know, as soon as Dorothy's like, you know, like, Papa, are you okay? Then I'm like, Papa, are you okay? Because, like... If she's not happy, yeah. I'm not happy. <laughs> like, like she would yeah, be like, exactly. oh, I don't want to go to the fun house by myself. And he's, he's like, well, let's find a ride we can both do together before the end. And I'm like, yes, please. I don't like you're a fucking piece of yeah. shit, but you better fucking make her happy. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. so many of those moments where I was like, where when Dorothy starts to, when she stops everything to be concerned about her own dad, I'm just like, don't you die on me, you motherfucker. You better live. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many of those moments and. Um, I, it, it made, it made me sad thinking about like, like him dying. And then he was like out of the wheelchair and shit like that. And I was just like, Oh my God, just fucking, why can't y'all just be happy? Why can't everyone just have a great time? <laughs> um, that's not what yeah. this is, man. It's not what this is. The, I, I really liked Dorothy having a great time in the fun house by herself. I think that was a really cool perspective. Of like the director just be like, well, you know, let's just have her having a great time. She's having fun with like the mirror thing. She's doing like the funny faces, you know, kind of like to herself, but like 
you know, at her own self to like have fun. And then it changes to that whole prophecy thing of her becoming a woman. So she, I guess she has to kill the candle maker. Like, is that a rite of passage or what's going on with that thing? Yeah, that was, that was really my question. Like, what is the motivation with that? Is it like a defeating your inner demons or is it her turn uh, to control the cataclysm yeah is she yeah is she the one that is supposed to be uh in control of that power 100 percent, and not like uh not have candlemaker like jump into her thoughts and like start talking to her and persuading her to do the tasks more so dorothy having the ability and knowing when to do those tasks or whatever. Exactly. You know? I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm curious of, to, to find out. Um, the, the candle maker CGI again proves to be incredible. There was a moment where I didn't notice his colors. Like he's like white uh, and red. Like he's like a white, almost like, you know, bone with like red markings yeah. and stuff. Did I you never notice, noticed that like, before. I thought he was all like, like black. one of the coolest parts was like him, um, like, he turned to frame or something like he was talking to her and uh he he was like telling her that that it's time and then she like tries to run away and yeah. and then him doing the chasing like with the trees and like him being such a big monster of like stumbling and like hitting the trees and stuff that is fucking yeah, great the cgi work uh like i think what it is is like and this is the the Pacific Rim method that I I keep referring to, but you render these characters like the the animated model that is Candlemaker, and then whatever rent, uh, CG program that you use is you render the character so big that or to scale that when they have close ups, they look like that they that the that the cgi model itself has like these pores that you can pick out that you can that you can mm-hmm. enhance on the character and be like look the yeah. the the what they call the bit bit mapping doesn't break because it's not pixelated anymore because the character is so big yeah that when candlemaker kneels down before dorothy and you see like it has like this symbol on his forehead and it's talking yeah. but then if when they have the close up to Dorothy and you see that part of the candle maker's face is in frame that when she leaves, she runs out of frame and he turns to frame. You can see because it's such a big rendered character. You can see every detail of the candle maker's face and he like screams yeah. in a frame and then he like runs after her and you can enjoy every little bit of detail in that. And you go, wow, that's really good CGI work. Because you're not worried about it being CGI anymore. You're worried about, or you're focused on the detailing of it. And that's what that's what's such a great job of this character. And honestly, I've talked about it, uh, you know, a little bit. I don't know if I talked about it too much, but like the Candlemaker villain, man, I'm I'm entertained. I guess as a CGI fan or whatever you may call it, like I don't give a shit about it being a real actor or prosthetics or practical effects and all this other bullshit like this character is entertaining to to, to see and, and and the voice work is is great but man i'm having yeah. a great time with this dude i think he's definitely menacing i think um you were talking about like uh these these aspects of horror that really work out so well when mark mm-hmm. shepherd shows up when willoughby kipling shows up at the end of this episode and he's like saying that 
you know, it's, it's, we, we've got to do this now, you know, cataclysm is on the horizon here and you see the wax drip on him. I was like, Oh shit. What the fuck just happened? Like I expect, I expected the candle maker to be right behind him. I was scared. I was like, Oh fuck. This, this is a, yeah. I saw the, the wax dripping that I didn't, I didn't expect it to just be like everything around us was, was melting. I was like, Oh, the candle maker's right behind him. I was like, I was ready. I was like, oh, shit, he's here. He might have been right behind him. It's just, you know, we couldn't see him. Maybe it was a, you know, different plane of existence or or what have you. Um, Mark Shepard had one line in there where he called him uh, like an incandescent asshole or something like that. Fucking <laughs> great. God damn it. That is such a good fucking line for a candelabra monster. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like Everything melting was such a good effect i've never seen that before we we've never really seen that before with anything else well yeah in the first episode where um well no we saw the aftermath like melted bodies and you know charred uh stadium seating in like the 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 tent the circus tent and everything like that um but yeah we didn't see like the lollipops or like the clown statue like you know chernobyl type melting like Jesus. Yeah, like literally everyone, everything was starting to melt, like the lollipops were melting and, you know, like just like seeing Dorothy at the end of frame, like the end of this of the episode, just kind of like, like cowering in fear of like all these things happening around her and people freaking out because things are melting. Like it's, it's very cool to see. I want to say cool, but then I also want to say like, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just. It's very powerful to me to see see this character. I, I'm very curious to see how it how it ends up being. But it is. I mean, it's going. We're no strangers to uh to monster movies and stories and stuff like that. So it's just fitting within that playbook. I want. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a monster. Um. I I guess my closing thought was would just be that I've I've grown so attached to this Dorothy character as being someone that I. I want to see as a regular character. I don't know if Dorothy's plan to be a regular character, if it was just supposed to be like the kind of season the epicenter two plot. of season two. And mm-hmm. I, I would, I would like to see more. Um, even I, I don't expect Candlemaker to be an ongoing season or ongoing series villain, but um, there's, there's a lot of things I, I really like about season two that's that's happening, and I think I'm enjoying it a lot. I think I'm I think I'm enjoying it. Uh, I know I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm just like I want to see this show keep going, you know. And yeah, it's been so great. I I I, I think it's unbelievable how great this show is. And you and I, uh, just thinking back about it now, like. Did we even think this show was going to be that fucking good? <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. I don't even know if any of us thought it was going to be, like, this much of a hit. We did have one friend um, last year when we started recording for season one, and he had the genuine concern of, like, well, what if, like, you have to talk about a stinker of an episode? And, like, I was like, well, then we would just have to talk about a stinker of an episode. That's it. Nowhere in, in this fucking show, in this series, season one or two, was there a stinker of an episode. Like, it, it just didn't exist. So, like, that notion 
of our uh, of our friend telling me that or or really just like raising that question of just like cuz we didn't we didn't do like a uh, episodic TV show review mm-hmm. you know this is coming off of like a movie where we break it down by fucking minutes and shit like that where we have had to talk about shitty minutes or boring minutes or whatever and you just get it done and it's you know your 30 minutes okay great cool there's more laughs than there's more serious about it but this has never been a question of how do I talk about this or how how am I going to have how how am I going to be able to have a conversation with Mark about that yeah. never has not even risen of an iota of a thought in my mind it's always I can't wait to talk <laughs> to Mark about yeah, this. Yeah, like, and I, refraining from texting you mid, like as I'm pausing the episode, refraining from picking up my phone and yeah. you know, just like shooting off text messages and shit. There's so like, many times where like I think about like oh, you know, I want to be like oh, did you watch the episode yet? And I I don't want to ever put like a speck of how I feel into some message about yeah. you. I don't even want to ask you if you watch the episode anymore. I just be like, we're going to record it this time and then we'll talk yeah. about it. You know, cause like I, if I, if I say, Oh, did you watch the episode yet? Then it implies like, Oh, some shit went down or like, you know, so, like what if you yeah. didn't watch the episode? Now you got to be like, Oh, is there something to expect? Now, and yeah. so now there's like a time frame. It's like, shit, well, I got to go watch so, it. Like, and and yeah. there's so many other DC shows, superhero shows where it's like, they have, uh, a number of episodes and like i i do think that you know this could be this could have been a show where there could have been quote-unquote stinkers where we've been like you know like oh you gotta talk about this episode now or it's it's got fucking i don't know cyclone shows up and it's like is that it is there more we got, or is there like you know the other thing is that like if it's a 26 episode season then it's like Oh, well, you know, like the issue this character had with their mother, it's still the thing that we got to talk about today. And and I don't ever feel tired talking about what the characters go through because it's never stretched out over multiple episodes. You know, it's like if yeah. if uh, what what Dorothy goes through in today's episode isn't the same conversation we had in Space Patrol and what Jane is going through now with Kate Chalice isn't exactly the same conversation we had in in Pain Patrol. And so like these episodes are they get a lot of stuff done in the nine episodes that they have and I think that's great. I think when when the studio if it were to demand it being longer or whatever uh, then it might, it might hinder the performance of, of these writers but like like I think it's so well done with like us talking about nine episodes and just being like, let's just get down into having a conversation about the the meta part of the of these yeah. Doom Patrol characters and not us going like, oh, you know, issue twenty five or issue forty nine of Grant Morrison or issue seven of Gerard Way. Like we don't have to have these conversations. We we point them out because you know, if people want to read it, source material, we know mm-hmm. of it, but it it's 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 its own show, it's its, its own thing. Yeah. Um I also want to point out that there's no that there wasn't like ever a uh sophomore slump, if you will, in this second uh season, which like in pertaining to like bands and like albums that they release and stuff like that. So you get a band, they release their first album, uh or sorry, you get a band, they 
have collection of songs and stuff. They go on tour. They work them out. They do all these things. They are able to perfect it to a way where they can then have a deal to have an album. And that first album better fucking hit or you're done kind of thing. It's like that mindset of a band. And then once that album, if that album is a hit, you get, you know, three to five months to be like, well, where's your second one? And then, like, the second album usually becomes, like, a rush of either we have to write these songs that we are right now recording in the studio today. Let's write six songs in one day, and that's, like, the first half of the album. Or it's songs that didn't quite make the cut to the first album, so it's, like, maybe B-sides or something like that. Oftentimes with bands, especially big ones that have a wide uh, library, that second one is usually less than some of the other ones this does not exist it did not exist and it can't exist with this show and i can't explain it but it didn't you know there was no there was no sophomore slump there was no second season lull there was just nothing of that sort yeah and i i i've been on the other side of of that sometimes where and i i kind of think about this with with this season is you know i've never heard of sophomore slump before so i'm 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 new to that term and in fact, I've learned kind of the opposite growing up is that your second year is, is the most growth that you've had. So maybe in, in some other sense, like usually your first year at something, and this is normally implied in like when you grow up in high school, like your freshman year, your freshman is like you you are awkward. It's all these growing pains and kind of things. And then between your first year and your second year, your sophomore is a completely different person in, in your sophomore, junior, senior three years. You have a more coherent growth, but there's such a jump between like your freshman of being like in this very awkward hole in your life. And yeah. then in your second one, you're like, look at all this growth that we've established from that first year of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and what didn't work. And a lot didn't work. And and then season t- season two of your life, you're like, okay, well, then all this other stuff's going to be a lot better. And, and with Doom Patrol, I think, you know, season one was so good that, you know, it doesn't seem like much. It still seems just as great season two. But I, I do think that season two in some way, like, they perfected it. Almost like, you know, if, for, for the for the DC fans out there, like, you see Tim Burton's Batman, you go, oh, I really like Batman. I really like Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. But like Batman Returns is like that was he said that he that's said Batman. I'm going to take that <laughs> I'm going to fix everything I did wrong and I'm going to make that movie. Yeah. And that movie's great. You can be however you feel about 1989. Hey, they got the uh, uh yeah. Prince. That's If you love it, you love it. Sure. Batman Returns, that man grow. He grew. He that's that's Tim fucking. Yeah, Burton. he he like right, he right said, there. <laughs> I'm gonna take what I did. And I'm gonna make it better. And so Doom Patrol, I really think yeah. they're like taking season one. They said, "Great, now we're gonna make it awesome." And I believe that. I yeah. I think that. I, I there might you guys might not agree. You might still be like, "Oh, season one was fantastic." Because obviously we got the season one's got bangers, and there's no comparison. I'm not trying to make a comparison of season one, too. I'm just saying from the writing aspect and the production value of like season one, season two, we grew. There was no regressing. 
Like nothing went downhill. Like we didn't go backwards yeah. or in anything. I think we we're growing as a, as a show here, uh, which is which is a great thing. Um, and then um, yeah, that, that that's really all I had for for this one. We're we're gonna get into the next one. I think I think it's called Wax Patrol. So very curious. Yeah. There you go. Again, more horror stuff. House of Wax. You got your Paris Hiltons. Uh, you got your good movie. Was that House of Was that House Paris of Wax? Hilton? What yeah. am I thinking of? House of a Thousand Corpses. That's one with Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick's in House of a Thousand Corpses. Right? Yeah. House of uh, a Thousand Corpses. Know. That's Is the he? that's the Rob Zombie. That's the devil. Uh, I know it's got fucking and stuff like that. Yeah, I know everyone else in that movie. I just didn't know Chris Hardwick was in the, in that one. But yeah. Right? Chris Hardwick, House of a Thousand Corpses, Chris Hardwick and Brian Posehn? Pro- probably. I, I haven't seen it. Right? Am I thinking of it? I'm th- it's, I know that that movie exists. I don't know if I'm if that's House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm pretty fucking sure that is. Are you typing it in right now? I'm typing in... Um, I know uh, Rain Wilson's in it. Like, I, it's the only one I remember. Oh, that's what... Yeah. Maybe I'm confusing... Mo- because he's the only one I remember just, being like turned into like the mermaid or whatever, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's the only part I really remember." Um, I'll find out matter. for you right now. Wax, wax patrol, wax patrol is yeah. I'm very curious to find out what, how you know what happens, but um, yeah, Chris Harwick is in House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, Bingo. Um, yeah, uh, fuck that but, guy. Yeah, if you guys enjoyed everything, uh. If you guys enjoyed everything, you can find us on all social media at Radio Doom Patrol and the Facebook group, the DC Minute, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. We could join us to talk about today's episode or any episodes you're catching up on. And if you want to support the show, uh, please leave a positive review or check out our merch at TeePublic slash Too Old Media. And yeah, help us support the show. We can help supporting you guys back in return. And with that, DJ, please take it away. nobody's looks like it's almost that time to face the music so roll up those sleeves put on your red shoes and never let them see you cry we'll catch you next time here on do patrol radio Radio.